Hello friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philobom. It's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. Welcome to summer here at There's No People Like Show People. (laughs) Uh, You know, one of life's greatest gifts is the ability to laugh at yourself. I'm so glad you're joining us today. If you haven't already, please check out our merchandise store at www.there'snopeoplelikeshowpeople.itemorder.com. There you will find all kinds of goodies. Each purchase supports honest storytelling and really helps us out. And if you like what you hear, don't be shy and reach out. Follow us on Instagram at There's No People Like Show People or give us a five-star rating and leave us a written review. We absolutely love hearing from you. Thank you so much for your continued support. Wherever you are in the world today, I hope you're having a fabulous day filled with much love and joy. Hey, hey, friends. I don't know where you are in the world today, but I am hot. <laughs> it's not like in the sexy <laughs> sense of the word, but like actually physically hot because it's summer and it's just hot outside. So I feel like mm-hmm. wherever you are, you need to, I don't know, grab a, a fan, a, a cool drink of water um, if you're feeling warm. <laughs> so I was Popsicle. just yeah oh a popsicle (laughs) grab yourself a popsicle that that's our advice um for you today listener wherever wherever you happen to be in the world i'm so excited to um talk to our guest today we've been meaning to record this episode for a long time and friends this happens a lot i think i say this almost every single episode if you really want to be a guest on this podcast like please reach out even if you're like i'm so busy um let's do it in three months six months a year I don't know, but like eventually would love to talk to you because this is the podcast that is about honest storytelling. It's about connecting and reconnecting the theater community. And really it's about helping artists out there who maybe you're struggling, you know? I'm struggling. I think sometimes people look at my Instagram and think that I have like all my shit together. Well, guess what? I don't, I do not. So, okay. We have a very dynamite guest today. He is currently performing with the Medora Musical in North Dakota. And this is a high energy country Western variety show, which features singing, dancing, live horses on stage, as well as a grand finale with fireworks. It is truly a spectacle. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron Atkinson. Hey, what's going on, Sarah? what what is not going on <laughs> yeah right just listen to you now you busy busy life <laughs> um, yes i am um over scheduled <laughs> overbooked booked and blessed um just doing doing too many things and i really have to challenge myself to say no to things um i can't i it's usually when i get sick or when i get burned out or when i have like a mental breakdown that i'm like wow, I'm real. I'm doing too much. And so that's what brings yeah. me back to like, I think we, we, as artists, like we, I know, like if I'm offered a contract or a show, like I want to be there. Like I want, you know what I mean? Like I want to say, I always yep. want to say yes. And it's, it's hard for me. It's really hard for me to say no, but sometimes you just, you, you can't be everywhere doing all the shows all at the same time. True. True. So anyway, how are you? It's funny. You say, I'm, I'm good. It's funny you say that because one of my just topics in my brain is always say yes until you feel like you can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's like, that's always one of my things to go off of is just say yes, because you can be there, but know the limit that you can take. Um, yeah. I'm good. Um, like you said, I'm in the Medora musical right now in North Dakota, Medora, North Dakota. Um, found myself here last year. Uh, connections due to Kevin Krasinski. We met three years ago in South Florida, and here we are three years later in North Dakota. Like, and it's just, it's a spectacle. I'll tell you that in every way, seeing friends come from all over the world and all over the country to come to Medora to do this musical, 
good friends that I've known for a while, friends that I just met last year. We all come back and it's adult summer camp, but for 90 minutes at night, we have a blast on that stage. And mind you, it's almost every night it's sold out at like a 3000 seat amphitheater. It's, it is truly a spectacle in every sense of the word. You know, I also know Kevin because I'm pretty sure that I saw him at Circa 21. Uh, it was opening night of Kinky Boots, I think. And he. Yes, yes. Yeah. He was in that show. I, uh, <laughs> I love that show. Just doing a little dance over here. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing the choreo to uh, what, Raise You Up? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Have you done yeah. that show? I just did it at Christmas time with Slowburn down in mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale. Nice. I played, um, who did I play? Mm. It's hard to oh, remember. Man. I played the business. Yeah, it was a small little part, but it uh-huh. opened up the uh, big finale. Um, Richard Bailey, that's his name. He was the businessman trying to sell the, uh, yep. the condo Factory. to him. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, freeze into the song. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it's a nice little part but I I love dancing that was the first time I danced in heels in college we had a um guy from the original Kyle Tower Parker came in and taught a little heels class with one of the dance teachers Nick Thompson and they're like if you don't have heels we'll bring heels and just to walk in and see heels all over the dance floor and then we just had our own little dance party dance class and um from that moment on, I was like I always kind of want to do this this is something I don't ever get to do a lot. So yeah, here we are with thigh high, red, beautiful boots on. And honestly, they were easier to dance in than regular shoes. So (laughs) it was, it was, it was a good time. Yes. Okay. Aaron. So where did you grow up and how did you first get into theater? I grew up right outside of Philadelphia in a little town, excuse me, a little town called Ridley Park, Pennsylvania, Delaware County. If anyone watched Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet, that's exactly the la- like the language, the tone of their voice, how they speak, the accent, spot on, and just as dreary as it looks. But it's a beautiful little town, uh, just two out two hours outside of New York City. Um, I actually always wanted to go into the Marines. When I was younger, I was doing ROTC Young Marines type feel, mm-hmm. and oh, my family was like Boy Scouts and whatnot. So like I was following along on that trend. Um, in the meantime, I was doing some community theater outside of, um, outside of all that. And then I got to high school. I always viewed my high school, and maybe we all do, but I always viewed my high school as like top-notch theater because like that's what was the easiest sense of or source of theater to go to. The production quality has always been, and uh, until since my director leaves, or till my director leaves, will always be like high quality she cares about every aspect of that theater Christina McGovern love you um she she really opened my eyes to like what theater could be um my big my first big show with them was Aida I played Rodimaze and that was my junior year and then from there I was at I was able to go to big theater conference in Nebraska I met a lot of great people saw a lot of great touring shows through there that's probably the first time I I dove headfirst into just the world of theater like I would see Wicked and Les Mis here and there but rarely was it like seeing six touring shows come through in one week you know so like it was great to see that quality come through and then other high schools produce that good of quality shows so when I got back I just I dove into lighting sound being on stage backstage I loved the backstage element I always said if I if acting and dancing and singing where I'd ever stop. I would love to be a production manager. I think that whole side of it is even cooler than what happens on stage because what hap- what makes on stage happen is the backstory, is the months of planning and meetings and yes and no's and all the different ideas. So that's definitely something in my mind that I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that would be a, a road to go down if I ever just say wake up one morning and say maybe not but I don't want that to happen um so I did Aida and then I did Beauty and the Beast um and then during that time I submitted was submitted applied to um AMDA the American Music Dramatic Academy 
New York, Cap 21 in New York, Marymount, uh, U of Arts in Philly. Gotta be honest, my grades weren't so good. So Cap 21 and AMDA were my friends because they were conservatories. They really understood. And I, I had to write them both a letter when an application came in. They're like, why were your grades bad? And I was like, well, do the family stuff. And I was like, I was really involved with theater. So honestly, I, as my mom always said, if you pass with the C, I'm happy about it. I know what you want to do. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, passed and everything was fine. I was like, I'm, I was never really a school person, but um, I was accepted to CAP 21 and AMDA. CAP 21 at the time just wasn't accredited. And AMDA also had an option of going to the new school afterwards instead of going to LA to finish out your BFA. So there was, I think that road um, opened a lot more options in the long run. I started, I graduated high school 2012, June of 2012. I think it was like June 12th. And then June 19th, I went and moved into my dorm to AMDA. And then that started my AMDA journey. I got it done in trimesters. So by October of 2013, I was done and out in the world. And thankfully, um, living in Ridley Park, there's a little town called Media, where the Media Theater is, a nice little professional equity theater. A lot of Philly celebrities is what we call Philly celebrities. Um, celebrities go through there, and I was always wanted to work there. Little backstory, in 2001, I auditioned for Joseph, and I didn't get it. I wanted to be in the kids' choir, and I didn't get it. I was like, all right, 20 years later or so. I auditioned for Joseph again, and that was the first show out of college. And that was my first non-equity contract at an equity house. Mm-hmm. Got my EMC card through there um, when EMC was a beautiful thing. And then um, I just went on. I did I did two seasons there, basically. I did Joseph into a children's show into Sunset Boulevard um, with Ann Crumb. And then the following year, I did Adam's Family, Les Mis, and another little children's show. Um, that's when I made my way to New York, back to New York to move in with friends and everything, trying to do that grind. I think I was there for like three months. And then again, thankfully booked Bush Gardens, which I always wanted to do something like that. I mean, I've visited that place how many times in my childhood, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. So I booked that at, um, and that was the German Festhouse show. And my girlfriend at the time and I did not want to go back to New York after the six months at Bush Gardens. So we said, hey, friends, does anyone have any idea of where to go from here? And people said California, people said Chicago, and a lot of people said go to Florida. So we moved to Orlando. Uh, she booked a ship. I booked a few shows. Uh, next thing I know, I'm in Tennessee somehow with Brett and Joey. <laughs> and I kid you not, it's like, uh, I, it was not somehow it was spring SETC or fall (laughs) SETC where little to no companies go like if you ever been there it's just like you you go to the spring SETC to to really try to book your whole season and the fall is like hey I was like at summer stock and I just need a few shows like to fill in this gap Cumberland County Playhouse was there um, doing Mamma Mia and Little Mermaid I auditioned for them October of that year was that 2015 and then by February of 2016 got a call from Bryce I'm going to my little Titanic gig in Orlando because that's what I was doing I was a tour guide at a Titanic museum by the way Titanic is my absolute favorite thing in the world um so I became a tour guide there at a museum and I was driving to work one day and get a Tennessee phone call and I was like I hope this is it I pulled over and Bryce was like, hey, what's going on? I was like, just driving to work. And he offered me a whole season at Tennessee. Um, I did that for three years, uh, well, two and a half years, full seasons, uh, summer stock in the fall. But in the meantime, I was lucky enough to audition for a few shows in Florida. So I was going bouncing back and forth from January to May. I was in South Florida, which was beautiful timing. And then from May to December, I was in Tennessee. And I did that all the way up until about 2019. My last show at CCP was Legally Blonde. Then I moved down to Florida officially. Oh, no, that was 2018. Moved down to Florida officially in 2018. And then um, 
from then on, I've just been doing the South Florida grind, which South Florida has an amazing theater scene. Mm -hmm. If anyone is ever looking for, I say it and then watch you move down there and it's never going to be there. <laughs> but as, but if anyone's ever going to move anywhere, I do suggest trying out South Florida. I tried it out for a year and a half and now I moved down there and I just submitted for a whole four theaters down there that are doing incredible work from just shows like Beauty and the Beast, family friendly stuff to nice homegrown original works that just explode to off Broadway and like stuff like that. So it's a hidden gem down there. It's hot, it's humid, but the people and the creativity and the amount of outlets you get down there are just unbelievable. And then you meet people who take you to North Dakota. So there you are. <laughs> That's that's where I found myself. <laughs> yeah, well, it just shows it just goes to show that <clears throat> one thing leads to the next, which leads to the next, which leads to the next. Yep. And the people that you meet, the theater community is family. I've always considered it that way. And this is a business, I believe, that we really should be helping each other out. And yeah. like, hey, did you see this audition? Or hey, I think you'd be really great for this. Or hey, do you need yeah. do you need a, a couch to crash on while you're going to this audition? Or you know, like we really need to um, support each other and lift each other up and help each other. Especially when people, I think, as actors, we get really. I'm really hard on myself, and mm -hmm. uh, my career, I feel like, is in this massive phase of transition where, like, I'm not even really sure what it is right now because a lot of sure. like, crazy, crazy life things happened most of which were out of my control and I'm like mm, yeah okay well I used to be a full-time performer for like a decade and now I'm mm -hmm. doing much more directing choreographing teaching which I actually love a little bit more than performing yeah uh, but I miss it you know I, I really really I'm like when am I gonna perform in a show again and I'm like I, I don't yeah. have, I don't have the answer at, at this point in time which is hard yeah I find that it's, and I wrote this just as a little brain teaser of these questions. It's not a, it, a lot of people, I, I don't think they admit that they feel that it's a competition because definitely when I was in college, I was seeing all of my friends, like biggest thing for me was, was it making the wrong, was I making the wrong choice of being so ambitious to try to get that first contract out of college to leave New York? Like, that was a big, me and my mom, I remember we were leaving and both in tears, like, is this the right choice? I mean, we just spent how much money in two years here, basically, like mm -hmm. maybe waited out a little bit longer. But uh, I found like telling myself like, oh, I, I need to get back because he's doing that or she's booking that. But uh, easily after two years of, or a year of thinking that it's not a competition. Actually, it's more fun to watch your friends keep going. And then like Natasha, like there are the, like, she saw me having so much fun at CCP. She came to visit next year. She's working at CCP. Yep. It was not a competition thing. It was, you're having so much fun there. And actually, Aaron, I want to be having fun with you there. Yeah. Same thing with Brett and Joey. Brett came, Joey saw Joey's working there the next year. It's not, it's not anything other than either a really want to work with your friends. I mean, I always want to work. If I can find a contract where Natasha's on or you're on or Brett's on, of course I'm going. If Travis is music directing, I'm like, yo, I'd rather work with you than a stranger, you know? So, and that's, that's where I think the connection, the comp, uh, yeah, connection versus competition is. It's not a competition. It's just connection and being willing to like, just explore your options. Um, but no, I, I agree. I've, uh, I, yeah, I just find that that's been something that gets stuck in my mind, especially performing with younger 20 year olds. I don't want to say young people because I'm still 28, but like 22, 23 year olds, it's they're like, oh, I need to, I need to, I need to. I'm like, you have about 50 people right here who you could reach out to and just say, hey, where are you going next? Or do you have any recommendations? Because that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I know Natasha and Brent have done. Like, and I use them just because I'm enthralled with them. I, I love them and I love their career path. So like, I just, um, just use the people around you and they will graciously help you out. You know, if you put in the hard work, of course, but they can easily give you an email and say a good word. And then as long as you do the rest, honestly, 
you'll probably see a better outcome than not. Uh, I always stand fast behind that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and also, so listeners, he, a couple of people that you've mentioned have been past guests on this podcast. So he's talking about Brett Mutter and Joy Booz, who I'm actually getting ready to go to their wedding coming up really soon. Yes. Yeah, so I'm super excited about that. And then also Travis Smith, who is one of my absolute best friends, who he was like a very early guest on this podcast. I think he's like episode mm-hmm. 10 or something. So you have to go like, yeah scroll way on back and make sure I mean I just think I I look back at all these people and I'm first of all I'm so honored that everybody has been like yeah let's do it or like let's find it mm-hmm. we are very busy people we're and yeah. I, I'm like wow I have the most incredible um gracious multi-talented friends in the entire world yeah so they're, we're, they're all good time I love them all I know. And I know there's a, I think there's a couple of times that like we were supposed to do a show. We've actually never done a show together, but there's been a few times where we were supposed to, and then I don't know, something Mm -hmm. happened. And then we, and then you got another job or I, you know what I mean? Like, and then we just, but we've never, we just have known each other for years. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Through all the same people. Yes. Um, Small world. And that's another thing. How small is this world? I mean, you're Um, connecting with people that you've connected with years ago with their best friends it's just Mm -hmm. it's a good time yeah you're like everyone says like it's like the six degrees of separation but in the theater world it's it's like one or two degrees of Uh uh-huh yeah you're not far (laughs) you're not far yeah what do you think are some things that you have really struggled with when it comes to this career um so oh my gosh wait there's a spider on my bed oh no I'm so sorry (laughs) Oh my God. We're, we're taking a, a brief little break, um, this, a spider break. He, so Aaron is it, he's at, living in cast housing right now, but I would like to call it cast cabin housing. Yes. And we're recording this over zoom. Cause I'm in Maryland. He's in North Dakota, which how cool is that? But like, it's really beautiful. This is a real, he gave me a little tour of his cabin and he's got this beautiful scenic <laughs> view uh, of the, the rolling Hills of North Dakota. I think it's gone. Did so you, I'm did sorry about get, that. Did you get rid of it? Was, it was a big one. <clears throat> it was a bigger one. I threw it go. somewhere. Had anyway. Um, um, so what, what I struggle with, um, I have a serious case of FOMO, a fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. Example, Joey Booz and Brett Mutter's wedding this summer. And my friend Barry Kramer and his partner's wedding in the yes. fall. Love Barry. I can't, I can't make any of them. And it's all, it's like you either miss out on two months of work to go and I'm not to go see a wedding. It's a beautiful wedding. It's an important wedding, but like six to eight weeks of pay and work Mm -hmm. for one weekend, like you have to balance that out. Um, And not even friends, family too. Like my mom and I are very close. My mom's side of the family and I are close. I can't tell you the last time I've been to a family Christmas or Thanksgiving like that. I know we've all, we're all in that boat sometimes, but just more so than not, I'm like, damn, I wish, wish I could go venture out and and see them or just fly to them. But prices at the time, like you got to book that well in advance. Um, On a personal note, that for me is the biggest thing on a professional note. um, I guess um, when I was in AMDA, my let's say skill wise when I was in AMDA I was never like biggest dancer or like could pick that up just as well as other people so I was always like considered level one in their book um but I will say like every contract I'm learning something new I'm learning a new move I'm learning how my body works and I think that environment helps me more than a classroom environment let's say of like being taught this is a jazz square this is a pirouette you know like just put it in a, in a choreography. And then later on, I'll be like, Oh, that's what that was. You know, like that's how my brain works. Um, but more so that, that on a skill set, dancing has been probably the biggest challenge. I go along with just say yes, because I was offered crazy for you. Never tapped a day in my life in a show. And I was offered crazy for you. And I said, yeah, sure. We'll see what happens. And then Three weeks later, I'm tap dancing on a tin roof and then a pizza pan with with Matt and from 
a book of Mormon just dancing alongside me. Like I was like, and I'm killing it. Like, you know, I felt so confident and I was just killing it. And I was, I would never be in that position had I not just grin and bear it and you no, know, just done it, you know? Um, too many people, uh, not too many people. I, I respect the idea of like, I need to see that you can tap. This situation was someone dropped and we need a last minute guy. I knew my friend John and he was, he's in the show. So he recommended me, um, my friend Blake as well. And so they just put me in. I remember the one day that the choreographer looked at me and said, you get paid good money for this. You should work on it. (laughs) My jaw dropped. Now I'm not saying what I was being paid wasn't a lot, but I think he had a skewed idea of what I was being paid, but we're going to go from there. And that kicked my ass. After a few tears in the green room, I practiced, I kid you not, I paid Barry Kramer to come to my house after every rehearsal. And we did, I got rhythm till I had no more feet. So it, and every morning I would get in there an hour early just to work on specific things. It was just a scary time to watch everybody know what to do. And then you and like two other people are like, uh, this is, this is way beyond what I know. I, and I think my body can do. Yeah. Sure enough, opening night comes around and some magical fairy goes, of course you can tap Aaron. Boop. And from then on, I never had a problem, you know, like, and then coming back to tap for like a little Christmas show or something like that. It's just warming up the feet. Um, <clears throat> but that was definitely something that uh, was a struggle for me, skill set wise. Um, I also made note, uh, this, the two of these kind of go hand in hand, but like knowing that there's an end date to a contract or mm-hmm. to not really a friendship, but like that specific strong connection that you made, like the connection I make here with these 25 people, I know will continue on to next year, but it doesn't continue on after the few months after we leave, you know, everyone definitely gets a couple months of decompression and those who see each other in the meantime, if they work together somewhere else, great. But like knowing that there's an end date and knowing that, I mean, we're planning stuff left and right here because we don't want, we want to celebrate and do all these things with these people. And this is the time that we get to do with these people. Um, But knowing that there's an end date because of the connections you make, it's hard because you don't want to lose it and you want to be there always with one another. Like it goes hand in hand with, booking contracts with your friend or trying to book contracts with your friends. I miss Brett and Natasha so much. I was like, when's the next time we can work together? You know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, that's what I struggle with. I'm, I'm very, once I get grounded and homey, I can adapt to new situations, but once I get grounded and homey with people, I don't want to leave them, especially when you're with them four to nine months, you know, mm-hmm. cruise ship goes with that as well. That drives you a little crazy, but it's still, it's still up there with like, you're with these people, they are your family, they know everything about you. And then suddenly, boom, it's done. And that's upsetting. I've definitely found the first, it's rewarding because, and this is a quote that someone's told me, and it took me a while to understand, but we were all doing our final, let's do this closing show. And my director just looked at all of us. I always get choked up when I say this, but he always looked at us and said, the beautiful thing about this moment right here is that it never gets old. We will always feel that moment of, oh my gosh, it's over. Not one single person is thinking, thank God this is over. You know what I mean? Like we're all wanting to come back tomorrow. Are we exhausted from the show? Of course. It's closing night. We're ecstatic to be achieving that goal of finishing this run, but we want to come back tomorrow and see each other, maybe not to do the show, but we want to come back and see each other, but we can't. And to be told you can, and you have to leave, that's the worst thing. But to know that it never gets old and that feeling of, I want to come back to theater, to these people that never gets old. And that's what I, I always think about that. When I leave, I'm like, though it's upsetting, you're going to feel this again. And how rewarding is it to feel that feeling again? with either the same people or a new group of people. And uh, that, though it is a struggle, that's what I always hone back to, is it never gets old. You will always find yourself in the place that you're supposed to be with the people that you're supposed to be with. Yeah. 
I, I say this, uh, that's really beautiful. Really, really. And I, I actually was getting a little um, misty eyed as you were saying that myself, because I feel, I feel exactly the same way. Um, working on shows is, is so special. It's, it's so special. And you know, you could be working on a shitty show, like maybe it's not the best show in the world, but if you have great people with you, people who work hard and really care about you and, and you're just accomplishing so, so much together, like that's what it's about. It's, it's, oh, it doesn't, mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't matter what show you're doing or where you are or how much you're getting paid or, you know, whatever, like sometimes you get paid more, sometimes you get paid less. Sometimes you're doing yeah the show you've always wanted to do. Sometimes you take a job because you need a job, <clears throat> but yep. it's always about the people that you are, that you are sharing the stage with. You know, my favorite part I of agree. any show was always curtain call. I love, I loved, that, yeah. was my, that was my favorite part of every show was curtain call because that's when <clears throat> you got to really look out into the audience at the people and see them clapping or standing up, sometimes crying, cheering and yeah. how much, that they need it, that, that your show yeah. and your performance has really affected them. I agree. And I think that curtain call and also there's just moments on stage where you get to look around. I know I have it all the time. It's easy to do on the Medora stage because it's so big. There's a lot going on, but you just get to look around sometimes at night over the buttes with the beautiful lights. And you're just like, Look at all these weirdos having fun and having the time of their life. Not one person is giving less than 110%. I kid you not. Like we could be lazy bums all day. And I say that so kindly because I am. But at, in those 90 minutes and you just get a chance when we're charging San Juan Hill, we're like, look at us. I would never want to be anywhere else with another group of weirdos. You know, like it's just the coolest feeling to just look around and be with friends and see friends having fun with you yeah how do you define success oh I love this question oh good some people hate it I said I said define it it's what I'm doing right now and it's what I've always done it's what I will be doing in the future and what I've done in the past I said my favorite quote from the office is I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you actually left them and I think the same could be said about success. I wish there was a way that you could be told you're succeeding before you actually left that feeling or what you thought you, were, you weren't succeeding at. And I say that because like, and it goes in with a quote that another director said, Broadway will always be there. Broadway is not succeeding. Succeeding is waking up every morning, booking a job, submitting an audition, having negotiations, saying no, but knowing that every step forward is moving you forward. And if you don't feel like you are, then just take a step back and realize that, look, okay, maybe let's try a different route, but it's, it's what you're doing right now. I mean, I, I think I've succeeded to the most that I could right now. This is my second year here. I was asked back, like to me, that's success. I mean, every, every birthday, I apologize. <laughs> What's right, happening now? <laughs> oh, my roommates, my cabin neighbor's dog. He always comes in in the morning. His name's Neve. Um, <laughs> but I always say that, um, yeah, I just believe that where you're at in the moment is the most successful you could be at that moment. No one knows what's going to happen next. And look at how much you've done in the past. I look at how much I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. It's nice that we're doing this podcast now because this is this right now, actually, I think last week was 10 years from when I started college. So now I have a 10 year bracket from when I started college to I'm in Medora, North Dakota. I look at that rainbow of opportunities and jobs that I've had, people I've met, and I'm like, that alone is 10 years of success. So what is success here? Here's a whole book of what I've done of my success. And now I'm here. And now whatever happens in the future, I'm excited for the jobs that are coming. I'm happy that and fortunate enough to like be able to book a few jobs in advance to know that I have a comfort after Medora. Um, but I, that to me makes me calm, no anxiety, and just know that I'm doing something right. 
you know, the minute that I feel like I'm doing something wrong and I've, I had definitely have been in those situations where I feel like I've stayed a little bit too long or I'm, I've already, I've learned what I could learn at this place. So now let's move on from here. That to me, that means you have a, you can control yourself without saying yes too much. I could have said yes and stayed at that theater and been a stagehand and, a little, and an ensemble member, a small ensemble member in a little play. But I was like, maybe there's something else in Florida. Maybe there's something else in Tennessee or something. And I just leave and you hope for the best. And it works out because you allowed yourself to say no, throw yourself out in the world. And now it's up to them, you know, yeah. and that's, that's the best thing you can do for yourself is once you think that you've spent too much time or your time is done there, like Nanny McPhee, just go. It's just, if you don't, if you want me, but no longer need me, I'll, I'll go. If you need me, but no longer want me, I'll stay. Like we all have things to learn from each other. But if you think that you're ready to go and it's your time, then just look at another uh, projects and opportunities and just go for it. Just jump. Cause that's more successful than being stuck in my mind being stuck and just accepting what is being handed to you. Um, Cause the, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. success to me. Oh, I don't want to repeat myself too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you have to really challenge yourself to lean into those opportunities that are going to bring you the most growth as not only as an artist, but also just as a human being, like what yeah. is going to make you, what environment, what show, what company, what, you know, whatever, or maybe you're taking a break, like, yeah. you know, like what is going to make you grow the most and sort of um, help you move forward in a positive way into that next stage of your life? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Why, like, why do you think that you have dedicated, like, why do you think you've been doing this as long as you have been? What's your why? Um, personally, it's, and this might be a little cliche, but my mom has always, my mom knows enough about theater, but she knows, she doesn't know enough to be negligent of it. And I say that in the sense of like, she always wants to learn. She's never been a stage mom to just be like, you have to, you have to, you have to. She's always just gently guided me along. And if not, we pull back. She's helped me throughout this entire time. She always comes see, comes to see my shows. She wears the same opening night outfit to every show, which I think is adorable. And if it changes, she tells me and then she wears it and that, you know what I mean? Like, so I have to say that that is my driving point. My, she is my why. Personally, I mean, I think we all get that all feeling of like, I want to be able to create that. And then when you're able to create that, you were just mind blown about what you can do as a person. Like. Mm -hmm. Some things that I've been a part of, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did we do that? And I just want to keep going. Um, yeah. I said, and, and especially Cumberland County, I also may note the audience members who turn into friends, who turn into family, theater family, who drive from Tennessee to Florida to see you or from Florida yeah. to North Dakota. I, that is the why. I, I would love to allow people the opportunity to branch out to North Dakota, to Florida, to, to just see shows, to explore that area. If I'm the reason why they're coming out great. Like if, if I'm inviting them out and it's just like, Hey guys, come see this. And they love it. And they keep coming back because I met them in theater to me. That's, that's more exciting than being like, well, I just, my why is because I'm, I love it. Like I do love it. That there's no doubt about that. I wouldn't be doing it for 10 years. I wouldn't be anxiety ridden and on playbill every day, every hour, if I didn't love it. So, so that needs to go without saying, but the, the fundamental thing for me is the fact that I'm meeting all these people. I go, yeah. This whole podcast is just going to be all about people, but I'm meeting so many people and so many open people who just, Hey, Aaron, where are you, where are you at next? Oh, I'm on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean. I'll see you there. Three months later, there they are. It's like, well, how, why are you here? Like, how did this happen? And it's, it's all because they just wanted to come see me, see what I do, but also see the Mediterranean. 
okay, great. So you got out here to Mediterranean and I was the, the focus point, not the focus point, but the thing that yeah. kind of helped you get out here. That's totally, that's perfect. So that's my why is like the fact that my mom is now engulfed in it and she loves it and respects it to the point where I do. She still gives me the, eh, well, what are you going to do? And I get frustrated. I'm like, I know you're right, mom, but from a theater standpoint, there's a lot we can do. Like, she's a very logistical thinker. So she's like, well, if it didn't work this time, I'm like, I know, I think the same way. But, ugh. but at the end of the day, she's always someone there to, to just, she'll send me audition stuff. Hey, I just saw this media theater is doing this. And it's like, so it, that's, that's my why. My mom, the people I meet around here, the friends I make, I mean, that's the people, my friends drive me, my friends from home who check in with me, who maybe I didn't speak to for like five or six years who are just seeing pictures now. And they're like, wait, you're in Medora, North Dakota. I'm in South Dakota. I'll come right up. That happened a few times last year. Walker yeah. from Tennessee randomly was in the little mo bar down the road. And he was like, Hey, I'm here. And I was like, how? He was like, I just wanted to come see you and see you in the show. I was like, that's beautiful. And no more needs to be said about that because that's just grand. <laughs> yeah, it really is. How how do you want to see the theater world change? Um, I was just talking to Natasha about some around this subject, but um, I think the idea of the Broadway body, the Broadway um, idea of what normal is. Um, too many people have been shamed of everything and everything in their lives. And it goes from, from weight to height, to race, to sexuality, to I want to stay in tonight, to I'm not a big party. Like it's, there's this idea that us gypsies need to be this. And it's always said, but like when it, I think it's more apparent to me when friends are directly affected and it's I will say it's sad to say that my eyes are only opened when friends are directly affected but I'm definitely aware that it happens but when I get phone calls and texts and just disheartening things from people about people who I used to look up to and now I'm realizing you're not that person and you had an opportunity to change your generation had an opportunity to change it and you didn't and then that, you had an opportunity to change it and you didn't. So when will it change? And I don't have that answer, but I would love to see that just acceptance all around. And it is, it, it's, it's getting there. It's not where it should be because of just the neglect. And I think, I don't, yeah, I believe it gets neglected because in addition to trying to change, people are also trying to hold down their own fort of finding work and, and, and doing work. So their, their life has to become first. And if that, and I, I agree with that, they have, you have to come first, but if you're not fully comfortable with where you're at, how are you going to help change something else? You know? And yeah. I think there needs to be a, a tug and pull about just like, the acceptance of like take a moment back is what we're doing right is everyone included we had many times over the my I was in Florida this past year and my director for slow burn would always take a step back and say does everyone feel comfortable mm -hmm. it is uncomfortable to be asked that question but the moment someone says no that's when it becomes more comfortable because you have a better understanding of what we did wrong or what is going wrong and we've had many you knows and we've had plenty of yeses where yes everything we're doing is fine no we actually need to take a step back we have to have a cast meeting um for example and this not a personal experience just from friends who were in it there was a production of ragtime going on and they the company just went headfirst into ragtime and about three days into it a, a lot of the cast said no we need to take a step back and have a discussion on race and this time, I don't think there was, not me, but what was being said, I don't think there was enough backstory or understanding of this show individually for each cast member. Um, 
it, I, I'm assuming it felt very much like, here's another contract, we're just going to open it and close it. Mm-hmm. But to a lot of people, this is a story that needs to be told, and it should be told the correct way. So take the time. If it takes two days to talk about it, then let it take three days to talk about it, because that's, that's what's needed for your cast and company to feel comfortable to perform that show in front of an audience who probably doesn't know left from right of that show. So as long as you understand it, they're going to understand it more. The more you respect that show or any show that incorporates anything like that needs will allow the audience to respect that show even more. Um, so that that's my stance on that. Just better understanding of and making sure every single person is comfortable and an acceptance level of not like if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. You know, whether it's behind someone's back or not, that's not cool. It always gets out. Nothing is safe. You know, nothing is free. Nothing is safe. You say something, it's you're definitely going to hear it tomorrow. And then you're going to have to explain yourself. And now you're the bad guy. You've always been the bad guy because you're just free will because you think you're so perfect and everything you've done, you know, like, and there's been too many catalysts like that who just branch off and you're like, no, we got to smush that. That needs to be stopped. So acceptance, understanding, and being comfortable and a true comfortable, not just the hesitant, we're in it for five weeks and we close, like really get to know your cast, really get to know the people you're working with and don't take them, don't judge them by the book, of the cover of the book. Like it's, it's definitely something to be said when you take the time to get to know people, you, you end up just talking about life, not about other people, not about negative things in the company or the cast. Like, and if you do that, there will never be negative things in the company or the cast. You'll become a family. And that's what's most important, especially if all the other world is, all the world is looking at us like weirdos and people who just, just do whatever they want. You know, like the more that we're together, the outside people will say, oh, well, they're just like us, just, yep. just strangers forming a family. Yeah, because um, we really are, you know, it's, we're, we're all humans. We're yeah. all, we're all humans living a human experience. Um, and a lot of it is, is very similar, you know, mm-hmm. same feelings, emotions, uh, losses, wins, gains, family things. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot of relatability, I think, between, I think sometimes people see us and they think, oh, well, they just, you know, they don't have a real job or, oh, they just get to have fun. Like, it's just fun. They just get to play and have fun all day long. I'm like, no, it's a, it's a lot of hard work. Like it's just, it is. And it's always being out of a job. So it's always looking for work and um, just hoping you book the next thing. And and it's a shit ton of work. It's like, it's like what they see is it's like 10% glamour and 90% hard work. (laughs) It's that iceberg meme. Like you only see the tip, but the bottom of it, Titanic, but the bottom of it is much larger. The work is much larger. And it all, and, and missing missing family is also the biggest emotional and mental thing if you don't have that constant contact with your family or if you're just on the go and you're not getting that chance to just breathe and be with true family mom dad cousins aunts and uncles for just a weekend like i don't think people take that into consideration yes it's our choice of course but understand that if i had the choice I would either want my mom to be, come out and live in Florida and like hang out with me, or I would love for theaters to, uh, and I, this is something change. Uh, yeah, I, there was another question, but <laughs> regional theaters and other uh, places of work just to understand, like, maybe you do need, maybe we do need to take Christmas off. Like how many people are actually going to come to our Christmas matinee? Mm-hmm. We could take off Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. That, in my mind, is where I would hope things start going. Is you have a wedding? Okay, I should not lose an eight-week contract because I'm going to be gone Friday and Saturday, and I'll be back for Sunday matinee. I'm not saying it's happened, but I'm afraid to look for a contract and ask for a weekend off. You know yeah. what I mean? I've only been told if you're not available full time, then absolutely not. Yep. Yeah why is that the go around now you're 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 happy because your stuff's being performed but i'm 
I get to miss out on my best friend's wedding or three best friend's weddings because you you couldn't allow me to go out and reblock the show for one night. Yeah. I understand there's a lot more that goes into that, but down the road, swings, understudies, we've realized, again, it, our eyes have to be open to realize it. So this pandemic really opened our eyes to realize swings and understudies are way more important than the leading name on that thing. Because when that leading name goes out, you still want to see a show, that person I bet you is going to be just as good, if not better. Mm-hmm. And that that idea of swings and understudies, whether it's internal in the cast where each cast member understudies someone else, or just spend the extra three, $400 a week and hire two males and two females. Like that will do you wonders to yeah. just have that extra two bodies back there. Make one a dance captain, make one a vocal captain. You can always make it work out. But mm-hmm. that I've always thought about that. Every theater experience I go to, it's always that underlying, like, well, I mean, I will tell you this contract, there's no way there's only 12 of us. You know, there's not, and no one, you can't fly anyone out from New York to here. Like, that's absurd. Like, to do, you know, it's just, so that's another struggle point. And another thing that I think a lot of normal people, muggles, forget is that they're missing out on a lot of quality family time. You go to work nine to five, you come home, you're making dinner with family. You're making, I, I say you and the general person but you're going to dinner with, uh, with family, friends, you're seeing people on the weekend, you can make plans with people. Mm-hmm. We don't have a nighttime to go make plans with. We have a daytime. And honestly, I got nothing to do during the day here because it's too hot. So, uh, and I'm not going to do anything really during the day because there's n- not really anyone, no friends or family. Like I can do everything with all the cast, but when I want to do th- things with friends and family, that's not an option, unlike what other people have. Um, Again, I know it's a choice and I know it's what we signed up for, but I think there's a lot of that mental and emotional side to it of just missing out on a lot of good family events and Mm -hmm. family memories. And that's why you create your family here and and do all that with them. So you kind of fill in the hole. (laughs) Yeah, you you have to have your community. You have to have your your community of support. Mm -hmm. That's so important. It's so vital. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So vital. Well, I always ask people to, to to leave our listeners with a favorite theater memory or story. Anything? I know you've shared a couple, mm-hmm. but if you have something, I don't know. It can be heartfelt. It can be funny. It can be crazy. It can be embarrassing. Any any sort of favorite theater memory? I would say. Um... I was going to tell you the Bush Gardens one, but that might paint a bad picture. But my Saturday Night Fever story oh, is awesome. Oh, yes. Um, so I did Adam's Family at Show Palace Dinner Theater, which is now Suncoast Broadway Dinner Theater. But at the time, 2016, I believe, it was Show Palace Dinner Theater. And uh, Michael LaFleur was the director and that was my first show with them. I've already done Adam's Family before. So I knew the show, went in, it was like nine weeks. It was beautiful. They announced that they were doing Saturday Night Fever. So I was like, oh, excuse me, I'll audition for that. I was one of the, I got cast as one of the faces. So Tony Monero has his four friends. I was one of the faces, um, his friends. We get there, a cool thing about Show Palace was they, the night before so you saw the closing night of the show that's closing before you start rehearsal so it was Beauty and the Beast um and that's where I believe I first met yeah that's where I first met Kevin um was that night of Beauty and the Beast I met a lot of new people there um going into Saturday Night Fevers so we're at an intermission of Beauty and the Beast and I'm enjoying my cocktail I'm enjoying my free dinner I'm sitting with Jen Marr the producer and Michael LaFleur and they get a phone call and Jen and Michael's face just drop. Like they're happy, happy, happy. We have this beautiful production of Saturday Night Fever about to go up. Huh? What are you talking about? That's all I hear. What do you mean? They run away. They come back. They grab me. And they're like, I was like, what's going on? They said, we'll tell you at the end of the show, just stick around. I'm like, all right. So we all get our drinks and we're all cheersing to the old cast, to the new cast. And Jill Godfrey, stage manager, choreographer over there, 
comes up and goes, so Aaron, our Tony Monero has the flu and the doctor told him he cannot come do this show. He'll be out for like 10 days. Would you like to be Tony Monero? <laughs> I've never danced solo on stage before. And remind, remember, in the beginning of this, I told you I was level one dancer to Amber. So I said, um, I'm going to do a shot real quick. And so I took a shot. They all were listening. My friends from Adam's family just were like nodding their head like, you can do it. Why not? So without having the script or anything in advance with literally eight days of rehearsal, we put up Saturday Night Fever. It was the coolest experience that I've ever had to just be thrown into that situation with eight days of rehearsal, learning every kind of dance and everything was thrown at us. Just like it, it was just, it was scary. It was fun. It was silly. I use that because I, my, my favorite quote is always say yes and, to, and fake it till you make it. Because if you do that, you will make it. And I sure enough did. Nine weeks of run, I was in just anxiety hell, but every show went on without a bang. And it was one of those shows that you, I was like, wow, I get to finally stand here and act. I get to be in a scene and act. I'm not background acting to whatever's happening. Like I'm driving this, like we can do this. The amount of support from everyone in that show, again, it was come back at night. Okay, guys, let's rehearse that dance because I need to know that I have it today because tomorrow I learn a completely different scene. I would wake up at 8 a.m. I would sit on the hood of my car with my Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. And from 8 to 10, I would run the entire scene that I would be learning that day. Have to go. I, I had to go in off book. I could not be carrying that script in my hand thinking I was going to learn it that way. Like. I had to at least be well enough off book to do the scene, get into the dance, sing the song, and then do it over and over and over again. Like to me that I, I just, that was discipline for me. Um, and after that, there's been a few times where I have come in after that was Mama Mia at Iron Bridge Dinner Theater, where they were four days away from opening and they needed a sky. After that was crazy for you where the guy dropped a day before rehearsal so without tapping ever on stage I just said yes I faked it till made it and I made it and after that I went on MSC Bellissima had to learn Italian Spanish Latin rock show I've never sang in Italian Latin or Spanish like what but with sure enough in 10 days with the help of people from Bulgaria Bulgaria Ukraine Spain, all the Moldova, like all these places, they all just came together and said, and I went to each person. I said, what do you speak? And they said this. I said, all right, teach me this song. And every day for like four hours, we'd sit there, record on my phone. Okay. I take it home. I'd rehearse that night. I was in the next day. Like it just, I use the Saturday night fever one as a, a launching point because it definitely had I not done that, I would not feel comfortable doing those other things. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me just gauge that my career was going more towards the replacement guy who could come in and learn it. The problem solver, as a director called me once, which I loved. Um, I played Bullseye Miller in Shaboom and covered two guys and a guy went out unexpectedly. We had not had to put in rehearsal. We had not had anything at this point because we honestly, it was a short enough run and we honestly thought we wouldn't need it. Um, and sure enough, I knew the stuff well enough, but to get on stage costume four hours later, there's the audience like that's exhilarating. It's scary, of course, but it's exhilarating. Um, and it's probably the most fun you will ever have. So I leave you with that. Always say yes. Fake it till you make it, because if you do that, you will make it. <laughs> Uh, you will eventually you're gonna make it you, you, you're, you will make it eventually <laughs> you make it. oh my goodness thank you thank you thank you so much for taking the time to have this beautiful conversation with me today I feel like I learned so well, much and I think the biggest thing that I learned about you is that you have a really big heart 
and you have so much passion. You're so passionate about theater and, and what we do and you're a really hard worker. And so I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, like look at all these opportunities and how many times you've, you've just kind of been thrown into something last minute and you saved the show. So that's, sure, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm really yeah. proud of you. I think you're doing such wonderful things and um, what an inspiration to people who are out there in this, in all levels of this field who are maybe just starting out, who've been doing this for a while. Um, I like to share all stories, all sides of this business at every level, because I think mm -hmm. that's what we need. We need more inclusivity. We need more variety. We need people who are doing stuff all, all different kinds of theater all over the world. So yeah. um, thank you so much. This has been like a true thank you so delight. Much, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Thank and you. do you have a show tonight? I have a show tonight. Um, hopefully it doesn't get rained out because the weather always tells it's going to rain and then we get rained out or it's beautiful. So we have a show tonight. We have a show every night. And this weekend is our first double show weekend. So we got two on Saturday, two on Sunday, um, 5.30 and 8.30 because it's too hot to do it at two. <laughs> but no yeah. um yeah friends if, if you were in the area or maybe i don't know you're passing through you're on a summer road trip check out the medora musical i'm pretty sure you can get tickets at medora.com and you just look under mm -hmm. the there's all kinds of events you can do a dinner and a show you can go it's it's really really beautiful it's out it's all outdoor outdoor theater um you get to like come see walk. the national park it's yeah. beautiful yeah, make, make a whole like little vacay out of it and, and you will see yeah. our good friend, Aaron Atkinson in, in a cowboy outfit doing, doing, <laughs> <Yeehaw>. <laughs> doing a two-step. <laughs> doing a two-step, you liberty two-step is what we do. <laughs> That's right, yeehaw. Uh-huh.